And welcome to Two Marks and a Mike podcast. I'm Phil. And I'm Joe. Today we're going to be talking about Kane. Glenn Jacobs, as he's known in real life. Uh, we're going to talk about some of his accomplishments, some of the characters he's played in WWE, and his overall presence in WWE and, and how he enhanced the business. Just a professional. I mean, he obviously had the big guy roles because you can't make him shorter. And he... he Dominated, I think, and and well, the three characters that we're gonna highlight, obviously, Kane being the most popular one. Right. Yeah, I know his first gimmick. He was brought in by Jerry the King Lawler as Isaac Yankum DDS as a uh, rotten toothed dentist. And his vignettes were awesome. Oh, they really were. They were heavy on the vignettes when they were making their debut. And yeah. Oh yeah. I I really enjoyed those. You hear you hear the drill going because I ha- I'm not a big fan of the dentist. I go yeah. because you know I have to. But hearing the drill and the guy screaming in the chair with, with the <laughs> stupid thing on his head. Yeah. And, yeah I, it was, it's freaking great. <laughs> or Bruce Pritchard. Was there ever who played Brother Love was was the guy that was behind all those vignettes, you know, especially like the ones with Undertaker, like in the graveyards and mm. stuff. That was all him. He didn't really do a whole lot because I think he had it when he was Isaac Yankum DDS. He had a, uh, a, uh, a feud with Brett. Mm-hmm. It was, you the know, kiss my foot match, right? Was no, that like a, was with Waller. That was with Waller. And, right. And, and yeah. And then it was after that. Right. It was after Slam, that. Where they DDS went against Brett. Exactly. But him as a person, you know, I mean, or I should say him as a person because I don't know him, but as a worker, he was a consummate professional. Um, you know, he would, he was luckily, he said it himself, he was very, fortunate to stay injury free and he stayed, he's had a very long career i mean he's doing the he's very humble yeah yes and he's doing you know i know he's a mayor now mm-hmm. but then we'll go into his next character of the fake diesel yeah it was terrible but it gave him a chance to kind of spread you know to, to get out from the shadow of isaac yankum yeah one thing that was great about the whole fake diesel gimmick and the only thing great about it was it gave him the exposure to get out there and give him one more shot again to make an impression on McMahon and the powers to be at WWF at the time. Right. I, I concur with that. The time frame that he left as the fake diesel until he came back as his next character was about a year. WWE is very smart when they do this. If they want someone to be a different character, they give them a bunch of time off and then they bring him back as that character. Almost like an out of sight, out of mind. Well, take a look at Charles Wright. And I don't mean to talk about him too much on this. But he was Papa Shango, comma, the Godfather. He was like three or four different characters. So it's it's not unheard of for them to uh, to, to recycle talent, especially ones that have had a mask. But uh, his next character, obviously, is Kane, the younger brother of The Undertaker. And great storyline. That was great buildup. And you always heard of the whole Kane and the storyline, how he burned in the fire and Undertaker's brother who died in the fire, whatever. And it was already like put in the mind. And that's why when Kane came out and you're just like, wow. Yeah. Especially what was it? Bad blood in 1997. The the first ever hell in the cell match with Sean and Taker. Vince was like, that's gotta be Kane. You know, Taker sold that, that expression when he was in the ring and he was like, he just had that look on his face. I highly recommend going back and watching that match. It was a great match with Sean and Taker. Just that last four or five minutes or maybe six minutes of that rips match. rips the door off. Where it rips just, the door off yeah. the hinges. And, and you know, uh, he was talking, Taker was talking about it in the Broken Skull sessions, and he was saying that that whole match was designed for Kane to come in and rip the door off. And that, that was awesome because that was the first time he did his fire, too, because you're so used to Undertaker doing his lightning with it. And then when he's doing the same thing and the fire go up, and that was just like being man blown away the one touch that i like that kane used is when he would do his tombstone instead of folding the arms over he would pull the arms out he he, he, he you can tell that glenn jacobs put a lot of thought 
into what he was doing. You know, when you when you watch The Last Ride and they do an interview with him, he says, I learned from Mark, a.k.a. Undertaker, as much as I could. And so he, he was able to mimic him and learn to do things opposite, to just to, you know, to be different. And I, I find that to be uh, ingenious. And, I mean, what a great guy to be able to do that with. I mean, to be fortunate enough to work with, you know, The Undertaker, Mark Calloway, and to actually – him put his two cents in, who was very successful at that time, peak his career, and saying, hey, try this, I do this, try it this way. And it makes it more truth to the storyline than being brothers and how similar, quote-unquote, they are. And he also had some very unique and inventive matches. One of my favorites was the Inferno match. I mean, they haven't done it that much because obvious reasons, you know? It's yeah. it's a very dangerous match, and but they those guys... Pulled it off uh, beautifully, and I mean the goal of the match is to set your opponent on fire. And there was a there was one spot in that match where uh, Undertaker dove over, mm. though, and it was just it was a beautiful shot. You know, it was like you know. And then one thing that I found extremely interesting about that match was when you know, every time someone would do a slam or, or someone yeah, would, the would, pyro would, would, would take a up. bump, yeah, the pyro would go up. So I just it was very you know it was unique and different, and you know you could tell there was some cracks in it obviously, but. Um, like when Kane got knocked down right before the end of the match, you saw him, he, he put his hand underneath the ring and he put his hand in the in the fire retardant gel. Excuse me, fireproof gel. You can't say retard anymore. <laughs> so you can see the flame-proof gel. <laughs> so that was a good match. It was very, you know, like I said, innovative and different and stuff like that. Um, he had that really good tag team with X-Pac. Which was a very weird workaround. I don't remember. Did they have a name? No, it was just Kane and X Pac. And then, you know, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, that they actually won gold. They did win gold. They were together for a hot minute. So, yeah, they, they definitely had gold. And uh, th- there was a lot of weird angles that they did with. I don't know why they brought out the, the cancer kazoo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, the wow. Well, yeah. Yeah. Like, what was that? Wait. I forgot all about that thing. Yeah. And, and it, they said that's how Kane was going to talk. And yeah, it's, the whole time, I'm like, thank God they got rid of that because that was terrible. I forgot all about that. I, I thought that was odd. Yeah. Wait, why can't he, you know, and it's. Well, I think because what they were afraid of in, you know, non-kayfabe here, I think they were afraid that he would, that he would notice his voice. From Yank, from, from Yankum, maybe. Yeah, because I don't think he talked much with Diesel. No, I don't think he talked at all. You know, but I think that it was definitely you know everything. It, Kane is a very good character. He's had a lot of longevity, and he's had some great matches. You know, especially with Taker and um, you know his tag team with Daniel Bryan. That, that was yeah. good too. It just it was it was good when they would see you. Well, first off, let's just talk about real quick. I think they so you had Kane's debut and then. They gave him the title, and then 24 hours later, he drops it, right? Right, yeah. On that, that Raw. Was, yeah, because he had it at, he wanted a King of the Ring 98 in a first, was it a first blood match? I something, Yeah, it was yeah. Austin. Yeah, it was Austin, because yeah, I remember that was, it was the same night as Hell in the Cell with Taker and Mankind. Yes, and it was like and the then, next night yeah, or something like that. Yeah, he won it, he, yeah, he, Austin won it back the next night. It's no different than the Tuesday in Texas with Undertaker. Mm. Remember that? Yeah, that's true. I guess in a sense, though. Is when you have when you look at Kane's apparel, I mean it's kind of hard to have a first blood match when somebody who barely shows skin, you know. In well, and also terms. that ridiculous mask. I mean, that I mean, I shouldn't say that was actually a very cool mask, but it was like 
that thing is hard leather. Yeah. At least it looked like it was. I mean, I don't, I've never, never worn it, but I mean, I'm, I'm sure that would be a very difficult thing to get. So, so I think that's why in that match also went for the back of his head. Yeah, that makes sense. So Kane, he's had a bunch of championships. He had the Intercontinental Championship um, twice. He's been tag team champion numerous times with numerous people, including Rob Van Dam, Mick Foley, Slash Mankind, Hurricane. Big Show. But the, the one that kind of, besides X-Pac, the one that really sticks out is Rob Van Dam. Yeah, I agree. And I think that was kind of a good partner to set him up with post-X-Pac, because kind of similarities. And, you know, RVD, I, I believe, was a little bigger than X-Pac, you know, in general. But still a high flyer nonetheless. And yeah. They worked well together. Yeah, I think so. But I think it was the, they were, I mean, let, let's face it. Let's be honest. They tried to portray Rob Van Dam as a stoner. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that's why he was, that's why he bought him the hungry, hungry hippos. And then he, he was like always telling him to chill out. You know, it was basically said here, smoke a joint. Which isn't out of the realm of real life character, Rob Van Dam. But Probably. Yeah, that is what, and I think because that was kind of, him coming off ECW, that was when he had an ECW, and then WWE had their ECW, and they just kind of was able to base it off that, you know. But, right. I mean, bringing him in, I mean, they did ECW after RVD, but, you know, yeah. in that sense. Great worker. Uh, they had a really good chemistry together. So that's that with, with Rob Van Dam. You know, he seems like he could be, he could work with anybody. I don't yeah. think he ever had an issue working. And I don't mean like in a, uh, I'm not working with that guy mentality i mean what i mean is he was you could put him in the ring with a broom and he he probably have a good match yeah and i think he that's almost really the only thing he had to rely on to really be successful because it wasn't until later on in kane's career where he was getting some mic spots um but so he was pretty quiet he said very little so his actions had to speak in the ring and i, I think he was able to really like persevere without being able to verbally speak. yeah remember that one thing he did with Hogan and the Rock. Yes. Where he's like, he's doing the whole thing. He was impersonating Yeah. Him. He's talking about, you know, the millions and millions, the Hulkamaniacs and the Canaanites. That was funny. That was very funny. And that was a great way to kind of babyface Kane. Yeah. And it shows like this guy has emotion and was able to sell that babyface side of him and his character. Well, he's got range. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, and the other weird one that they did was when they put him with Tori. As, like, his kayfabe girlfriend. Which worked with the breakup of him and X-Pac tag team, but it was just odd. Um, I think that, you know, he, he's done a good job for as, long as, for as long as he's been around. And I think with him, he still took some high risks, but he didn't go nuts. Like, his big move was the clothesline off the top. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think it really helped stay his career a little bit longer because he didn't take a whole lot of huge bumps. No, but he was able to use his size very well. And the with his size, he had little agility, but he was agile enough to, to work well with his and move well. Exactly. Yeah, I think that he's always, like, you know, been a consummate performer. And he can, you know, he's, I just feel like he's a guy that can go. I feel like out of all the house live shows in general I've been to, I pretty much can remember being him in almost every single one of them. Like he was just Kane. I mean, he was a worker. Yeah, big workhorse. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that, that was the one thing that uh, probably one of the biggest compliments that Undertaker gave him was, you know, he was going to be there, rain or shine. Mm -hmm. You know, and he, he never took a day off. You know, stuff like that. 
And it just it goes to show you that he had the respect of, of the, the, the leader in the locker room, which was the Undertaker. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they I like how they still put titles on him. I mean, he had his heavyweight title, but then when ECW, and I, I know I bring that up, but, you know, he was ECW champion for a little bit as well. When, and I think at that time the Pickens was so slim, all those guys were so new that they needed somebody that they could rely on to almost be like a locker room leader for that quote-unquote degenerate locker room, I guess. I don't know. but um, So that was good to, to bring him over there. A little odd again because he's not ECW, but I see what they were doing. Yeah, I mean, I think that was given, you know, that time frame was just given those guys something to do after the whole merger thing, mm-hmm. you know. But, I mean, even – and actually ECW didn't come around until years after – the the money were, yeah yeah they left when when Vince bought everything mm-hmm. so I think he had you know he he had some good runs with some different people his matches with mankind were really good mm-hmm. um their their match at the ninety seven Survivor Series where I guess I don't know if that was intentional when they didn't shut his his entrance light off or if it because it was weird because they had that entire match I do remember that in in his in his entrance lighting and I'm like this is either either really cool or someone forgot to flip a switch. Yeah. I, it was one of those things they made work though, because they were just too weird. I mean, at that time you had seen mankind in so many weird matches with undertaker that it was just kind of like, all right, maybe this is just a thing. Yeah. uh, You know, but so another weird part of the whole Kane angle was unmasking and then getting masked again. And things like that. So he was originally masked, like I think I was around 2000, unmasked around 2003. And he took it off and everyone's like, well, where's the burn? You know, and on the Broken Skull sessions, Glenn Jacobs was like, Kane felt it was a psychological burn. And he's only he saw it or something like that. Yeah, I know that um, it was a good way to do the heel turn on RVD. And I think it was a new way to almost kind of like we talk about refreshing your characters, giving them a fresh look, a fresh face, a rebranding in a sense. He was still Kane. But in that era of Kane, of how to just, the demon, I guess, of it in that right. sense. It was, and then after that, he was heel for a while and he just tore through everybody. Yeah, he was it, just Royal Rumble records broken every year and, yeah, and then you have him and, and you know, the, him and his brother, Kayfay brother would tag team, brother Destru- Brothers of Destruction every now and again. And, you know, it, it, it was always, they always did something different or tried to do something different with the character. I don't remember, ever really remember him getting stale. No. He, you can always kind of depend on having Kane around because you can put him in tag teams and, you know, ECW 24-7 matches, just things like that. He's good show i don't want to say show filler because i mean he's too talented i think for that term but i mean you you could just he's ready to go Mm -hmm. another little funny thing that they did was how they portrayed him as this guy that would torture small animals in a basement and all that (laughs) stuff like that it's like (laughs) really dude i mean come on but i you know it's just it, it just added to the psychology of the character and it was something that would you know i remember you know he was he would always allude to his kayfabe childhood, and it was it was quite entertaining. To say the least, I think the, probably the most bizarre thing was when they tried to 
say that Paul Bearer was actually his his dad or something like that, and then it was you know yeah. throwing him in the mix on there, and it was like okay, you're really grasping the straws here. But you know it was it was interesting, and you know they they would always try, and then like at, at WrestleMania 20 when Undertaker came back and they had their match, and and then Paul Bearer was like, you're no son of mine. And, that was good. Uh, that's the reason why it was so good because I got more chins than Paul Bear. Oh, thank you. But yeah, it works out well. So in closing, I guess we could say that he's had a really a, a stellar career. I know he got inducted to the Hall of Fame this year, which is a very deserving achievement. Yeah, yeah, and well deserved. And I do believe that Undertaker is his inductee, and that's just going to be. Yeah, it's just going to be a good good well, night for him. Well, hasn't the Hall of Fame already happened? It's going into this year. I think he's this. Or no, did he induct it last year? He got inducted in 2021. That's so, yeah, right. so Undertaker was his inductee. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure it was. It definitely was a pallbearer. <laughs> Valid point. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, thanks for listening. Yeah, and thanks for everybody who's been sticking it with us, and we'll see you next time.